Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd. I'm Stephen Overly. This week marks one year since the White House released its AI Bill of Rights. That's the document that outlines five principles for protecting people from AI systems considered to be unsafe or ineffective. For me, the anniversary raises a question. When will President Biden release his executive order on AI? That's expected to come this fall, but exactly how soon remains to be seen. You may recall White House advisor Ann Neuberger declined to tell me when I asked last week. While we're waiting, there's a lot of urgent rhetoric about AI coming from Capitol Hill. Congresswoman Yvette Clark was talking about it years ago. You know, I I didn't expect my constituents uh, to be as cued in. And says her district is talking about it even more now. And recently I did a series of town halls in my district, and those were the number one questions that I was getting from my constituents. In 2019, the New York Democrat introduced legislation that would require AI-generated content to be labeled, as well as a bill that would require AI algorithms to be assessed for bias if they're being used to make critical decisions in areas like housing and finance. But neither of those bills passed, and now Clark has recently brought them back. She hopes the spotlight being thrust on AI, both on and off the Hill, will help the bills gain momentum this time around. On today's Politico-Tech, Clark explains why Congress now faces a critical moment to address bias, and why the Hill's younger members may be key to finally passing tech regulation. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us on Politico-Tech. It's wonderful to have you here. Uh, I know you've reintroduced a number of bills recently related to AI, and and very curious to delve into those and and get your thoughts on on them. Um, I want to start, though, with a a broader question. You know, it's a bit of a gloomy day today in Washington as we're talking. There's a lot of talk about the risks associated with AI. From, From where you sit, from the folks you speak with, what's your biggest fear right now about artificial intelligence and, and how it's being managed. Right. Well, first of all, let me, thank you for having me, Stephen. And, and let me just say that I, I'm not fearful. I'm concerned. Okay. And there's a, there's a distinction there yeah, because tell I, me about that. I believe that we have all that we need to manage AI. It's a tool. And it's, you know, I tell people what, what happens with tools, particularly in tech, is, you know, whoever is at the table programming it, whoever's in, uh, you know, building out the infrastructure, that's what we're going to be left with. Their talent, their biases, their uh, creativity. And so I believe that it's important that we manage human resource in this space just as much as we manage the technology itself. And so I'm concerned that we have not done enough, one, to make sure that there's some accountability in the build out of our infrastructure, beginning with algorithms. And I decided uh, some time ago that, you know, just the building blocks needed to incorporate um, the diversity of who we are as a civil society and that there needs to be far more accountability and transparency in data management 
that goes into what ultimately becomes artificial intelligence. And so, you know, when you say that we have kind of what we need to manage these concerns, can you elaborate on that? Obviously, you do see a need for some new legislation oh, and, and new resources. So uh, walk me through a bit sort of what, what we have now that, that can be used properly and, and how we, we get it there. Any technological platform can be um, manipulated in order to weaponize uh, against individuals, against entities. Um, and, and we've seen that particularly in the cyberspace, right? Mm -hmm. What we know is that uh, if we have enough talent around the table uh, when developers are creating, um, that um, we can pick up on uh, the, the varying uses of that technology. Uh, it may seem like a great idea at the moment that it's developed, but who's there to uh, uh, get outside of the group think to say, yeah, but if we do it this way, uh, you know, we could be creating a, a tool that's harmful. Right. And those are the concerns that I have, that we just aren't uh, as in tune with the creators. And the creators of right now are in a, in a small universe. We need to widen the aperture around the creation, create much more transparency, and also hold people accountable for creating opportunities for harm in that space. Well, one of the laws you've recently reintroduced would seek to create some of that transparency and, and assessments around particularly algorithms used in AI and give the Federal Trade Commission some more oversight of, of how companies use those algorithms. Walk me through a bit um, the idea of sort of expanding that oversight, you know, within the FTC and what you hope the end result would be if that legislation right. gets passed. That's my Algorithmic Accountability Act. Right. And, you know, from day one, again, I think that um, my concern was, uh, you know, who is, who is creating uh, the algorithm and how is that algorithm reflective of uh, the experiences of the most, uh, the most people in our civil society. And, and when I say most people, the diversity, um, looking at, uh, lived experiences from varying backgrounds. Ooh. That means the floor is open. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're, we're, we're live on Capitol Hill yes, today for the are. podcast. Right. So I'm, I'm sorry, you were saying reflecting the diversity of. Yes, you know. exactly. Because, you know, everyone, uh, has, uh, bias. Some more conscience than others. And what we have found is that, you know, already in terms of machine based decision making, uh, that bias manifests its, itself in discrimination in housing, in, in credit uh, decisions, in uh, so a myriad of ways. And it's based on assumptions. Uh, that have been long debunked, right. but continue to persist in our society. So what our account, Algorithmic Accountability Act does, each platform or entity that is utilizing algorithms are, or are responsible for sharing data and providing information to assess where they are on, on the bias spectrum. Right. You know, the, the human beings, bias... But some bias creates a baked-in scenario 
that could have long-lasting implications in terms of how, again, machine-based decision-making is the output. Well, I often have interesting conversations around the question of bias in algorithms. And there are some folks who certainly believe AI has no place in housing decisions or finance decisions because of these concerns about bias. But at the same time, to your point, you know, we know humans are biased. We know humans discriminate. It's a very imperfect system that we have now. And I wonder if AI used correctly can actually improve it, right? Can can actually eliminate some of the human, um, you know, uh, human bias right. uh, in the process. I, I guess I get the sense that's sort of your your thinking too. Well, it, it it could. I don't think we're anywhere near that yet. Okay. And I think that the more that uh, we sort of bake these biases into the system, it becomes harder and harder to discern hmm. because uh, you know artificial intelligence is based off of our intelligence, the human, right? right? And so when a system is overwhelmed by inaccuracies, it's very difficult, I believe, to counteract that at a certain stage. I think we're still at a a very formative stage and we have an opportunity. And that's why the uh, Algorithmic Accountability Act is so important because if we can get in at this stage, of the development of artificial intelligence, I think that we can make those corrections. I think that um, there will be companies that will develop around uh, basically debunking, if you will, misinformation Mm. uh, that's based on bias. So I I don't think we're there yet. uh, And I think that's why this, this bill is so very important. We'll be right back. The Biden administration is moving forward with a slew of new regulations that put products like semiconductors, electric vehicles, modern healthcare technology, and clean energy at risk. Chemistry is essential to our modern lives, creating products to help foster a more sustainable and competitive future. The Biden administration must change its course and work with manufacturers on science-based policies that protect American innovation. Learn more at chemistrycreates.org. You know, in your your conversations with other members of Congress, is there anything you wish that they understood better about the unique challenges and potential harms that AI could have for communities of color in particular, who have obviously, you know, been discriminated against and have bias against in housing, finance, all these sort of institutions that we're talking about in an AI context? Yeah, I've found that depending on where you're from, depending on how much access you have to diversity and, you know, your own ideological philosophy. There's some members who understand the imperative around making sure that we can weed out as much bias as possible to provide the American people with an accurate tool that can be utilized to make decisions. And and then there are other members that are like, well, you know, hey, this is the society we live in. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're kind of uh, pulling the wool over their own eyes. So it's it's not universal at all in terms of folks understanding what this baked in bias can mean in the long run for our civil society. But I think there are enough uh, members on the Hill who do understand it and that uh, would be supportive of making sure that we're getting accurate information. You know, when, when we're doing a, a search 
or we're filling out an application online, no one wants to uh, know that different decisions are made on two individuals that have the same exact profiles, but because the machine has been created by someone who has a tilt in their philosophies or in the way that they see things, hmm. uh, one person is discriminated against versus another. Right. Well, and even in the the data, for instance, right, jumping to assumptions based on zip codes, right. based on names, based exactly. on all sorts of sort of uh, secondary factors, proxies for, for race, gender, yes. all these considerations. You mentioned sort of addressing misinformation. The other bill or legislation you've recently introduced would address deep fakes, which I think is an increasing anxiety, not just here in Washington, but people online in general um, have. My question, you know, because that bill in particular deals with politics, you easily and quickly get into questions of partisanship. On this bill, as, as well as the Algorithmic um, Accountability Act, how do you build bipartisan support for that kind of legislation? So there are two pieces, right? There's the Real Political Ads Act, which is one legis- piece of legislation that was introduced at the top of the year uh, to deal with uh, you know, what we know is going to be, uh, the first, uh, election that will be utilizing, uh, AI generative, um, advertising and the importance of making sure that, uh, you know, the American people are aware that the content that they've received has been manufactured, um, is, is critical. And so I thought it was important that we have a disclosure that indicates to individuals that the content that they have received or that they're viewing is has been manipulated. Um, again, my concern is to make sure that First Amendment rights are protected, mm. right? So it's not about banning anything, but providing transparency. Deep fakes can be entertaining for some people, right? Mm. And- you know, who wants to limit their their entertainment. But it'd be good to know that what you're viewing or what you're listening to has been uh, manufactured from real content. And my deep fakes technology bill goes more to the personal, right? Goes more to weaponizing of the video audio content to do harm mm. to other individuals. And that is a bill that I introduced a couple of Congresses ago because I'd heard from individuals about how it was weaponized against women in terms of uh, the creation of sort of a porn tech, if you will, right? where individuals' uh, likenesses are used to extort them or, or to harm them in some form or fashion. But it, it, it was not something that they had engaged in, right? but their likeness was used to create it. Yeah, there. Uh, I, I think a lot of applications, the the revenge porn applications yes. that you're talking about, um, child exploitation applications yes. are are also, I think, a growing concern. I, I wonder for you, you know, as an elected official yourself, um, do you worry about deep fakes on a personal level? You know, being created against you in a, a campaign context or or anything you like know, that? I, I had never really put it, made it that personal, but it, it certainly has to be a concern for all of us. Um, who are in political office, uh, because, you know, we're, we're subjected to misinformation on a regular basis. You know, part of sort of the political, uh, struggle and battle, um, oftentimes 
is uh, how do you diminish the other uh, the opponent, right? And so when now you can use technology, uh, you know, use video, take uh, a floor speech and through uh, manipulating audio and video, uh, make a, a member say something out of context or something totally different than what was actually stated without any uh, disclaimer. Uh, that 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 can be you know really powerful uh, in a very closely hotly contested um, election cycle. I want to also ask, you know, picking up on, you mentioned one of the bill you introduced a few Congresses ago, mm-hmm. um, and are obviously reintroducing now, you know, and this is probably going to sound a bit cynical, I think, but as a tech reporter, you know, I've had, there's conversations I'm having today around tech regulation and tech harms that I had four years ago mm-hmm. that I wonder if I'm going to be having four years from now, right? Um, without action having been taken. So my question, I guess, comes down to, has has anything changed in Congress, you, do you think, since the bill was first introduced that might actually help it or other regulations around AI actually get moved into real law? You know, one of the things that I share with people is that each Congress has a, brings a new chemistry to the body. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding is that the more that newer members, younger members are being elected to the House of Representatives— young people who have grown up with technology as, you know, a part, a way of life, um, <clears throat> the more likely uh, we are to see this type of legislation move to the forefront uh, because, you know, they're more likely to use the technology themselves in their upcoming elections and things of that nature and understand the implications of not having sort of guardrails uh, to be able to make sure that they're, they're fair and free elections, if you will. And so I believe that we're in that space now. And the public, quite frankly, has become much more in tune with all of the discussions uh, that are being held on the Hill and in, in, in the public domain about artificial intelligence and how it's governing our lives today. And I share with folks, you know, we went through a dry run. It wasn't quite as advanced. But, I mean, when Cambridge Analytica began to gather everyone's data right, and then absolutely. weaponize it around, you know, targeting different uh, demographics in our in our society to say, you know, different things about who to vote for, why not to vote for this particular candidate, uh, just that whole atmosphere that was created. Um, I think that began to open people's eyes after the fact because no one knew they were being, uh, you know, uh, manipulated by, you know, this backroom, you know. Right. It was all hindsight. Exactly. It was all hindsight. And so I think getting out ahead of, uh, you know, what, what I call Gen 2 of this is, is really important. And is that how you answer that question of what a deceptive election looks like when a when well, yeah, I did. I said, listen, we, we just went through one not too long ago. And, you know, when our adversaries can disrupt our elections, it can mean the difference between um, a free and fair election and, and moving into an autocracy. 
And I think that people really, really get that. Uh, again, because th- th- they remember the climate that was created during the presidential election before the last. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us on Politico Tech. Thank you for having me, Stephen. That's all for today's Politico Tech. For more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you back here tomorrow.